And welcome, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Unrestricted Paranormal Show. I'm your host, Dan Holroyd of the Southern Michigan Paranormal. And uh, thanks for joining us again, as always. Uh, those of you listening to us Sunday night here on Unrestricted Radio, tell your friends, please tell your friends, your neighbors, the family that you love, maybe even the family that you don't get along with. You know, it might, it might help uh, repair some of those burnt bridges. It's unrestrictedradio.com. And uh, with Stacy Lee, we're doing all sorts of wonderful things over here. But thank you for joining us. We've got a, a treat for you. Uh, kind of a treat for me as well. I have not uh, seen or talked with this uh, beautiful lady in, in quite a long time. And I say that with a lot of respect. Kathy Condor is joining us. And uh, Kathy herself is a paranormal investigator, author. Uh, she's got a book out. Um, and what is, what's that book? I lost my notes here. Uh, the book is uh, Haunting. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kathy. Oh, that's right. I was just going to say it's Haunting Spirits and Eats, Michigan. Right. And Amazon, Amazon.com, I've seen it listed, but I'm pretty sure Barnes & Noble, right? Yes. Also, because I spotted it this weekend and I had to order a copy because I went back after doing some things for an hour. I went back to get it and somebody bought oh. whatever, however many co copies they had. I went back and they were gone. My wife and I are like, there were two copies sitting here and they're gone. So, okay. uh it is on my list, but uh, Kathy Condor also heads up MPE. Uh, she's got a Facebook group called Michigan Paranormal Encounters, and I believe that's your your group or was your current group at the time. Um, and and she's been at this for quite a while. I'm not trying to age a lady. That's not something that you do as a gentleman. <laughs> it is but, what it is. <laughs> welcome to the show, Kathy. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I want to start out, as I do with most people, because new audience, new people, you know, those uh, who listen to me in different countries and uh, listen to us here in Michigan, there are people who might know you and people who don't. Um, I guess explain a little bit about yourself, who you are, and and how you became in touch and in tune, I will say, with this world of the paranormal and the veil. Well, I often hear from people when I asked them that question, you know, how long have you been interested in this? Right. Something that everybody just gravitates to. Yeah. Um, but almost without exception, people say, I don't remember a time when I wasn't. And that's kind of the way I felt. I think um, I was lucky to be part of a family that was really accepting of this. And, um, both of my grandmothers raised me on stories of when they were growing up. And, you know, they were born 1900. One was born in 1899. So, you know, they had been around for a long time and they would tell me stories and things that had happened to them, but they never told them as ghost stories. It was almost like they were sharing family history. Right. So I really was fortunate that um, I was always very interested and they were more than happy to share what their experiences were with me. And so I just have always had that interest. And even in elementary school, do you remember when they'd have the book fairs and oh, yeah. the last oh. book fairs? I was sure. the one that always came back with, um, you know, scary books, anything <laughs> that that pertained to the supernatural or ghosts or hauntings. That's always what I spent my money on. So I just have always been fascinated by it. And sort of my temperament is that I, I'm not really good at sticking with things. I'm interested in everything. And so I want to do everything. 
this is the only thing that I have been consistently interested in for my whole life. And I've never um, lost that interest or lost that passion to learn more and to grow. And so um, I've been doing it for about 38 years now, which is, I mean, that was with the group or, you know, formally invested. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I've been doing it for a while, but I still love it and I never get bored. I love that answer. And it's, it's a very eloquent answer. Um, and, and I get what you're saying. I'm, I was the same way, you know, in my younger times too. And I, if it wasn't uh, history, American history and uh, anything that was antique or historic, it was always paranormal cryptids, ghosts. It was, I was the same way. And God forbid the bookmobile uh, show up when it used to. I don't know if that, that rings a bell with anybody listening, but we had this thing called a bookmobile and it would bring those books to us if we could not make it down to the library in my neighborhood here on the west side of Kalamazoo. But uh, yeah, that's fascinating. And and I'm, I'm, I would never have guessed that you were a person who is much like myself. I, I don't think I would have thought that because I too have all these interests. Yeah. And my wife constantly says, I don't know how you keep 12 spoons and 16 different pots uh going all the time because you have the ghostbusters and you got you know masons and I, and I'm doing paranormal and all these crazy things because you've known me for quite a long time so yeah. it's just I'm the same way I'm the same way but I focus mostly on the paranormal yeah. right and and like you I think that's probably where my focus is although for me a large part of the work that I do in the paranormal I get to bring in the history, which is really my passion as well. So it's always fun to be able to tie the two in together and see how they work. Yeah. And you've always done that. And that's something I've always admired about you, whether we, we work in different towns or different areas and we would pass like ships in the night type of thing. Uh, We knew each other. We knew who we were. Uh, I don't think we've ever had the chance to work together, but I'm hoping maybe this year might be that, that time, you know, we'll see what happens, but We have a shared friend, Ken Livingston, uh, who we've known Ken for quite a few years doing the music scene. And he he just happened to mention he was on the board, you know, at the Drake Farm. And I'm like, no, wait a minute. What? You know, you know, Kathy. Because, yeah, she's doing another event there. And I'm like, well, I know Kathy. You know, kind of of one of those weird things. It's a small world here at Kalamazoo. It is. Um, Yeah, you've had quite an esteemed. I, I, I mean this when I say this stuff. I don't blow smoke up anybody's rear end when I have them on shows, but you've had quite an esteemed career as a paranormal investigator and in, in the things that you do and doing events. Um, and, you know, I've watched and I, I run into people who have talked about you and who know you and nothing but very kind and nice things to say, oh. you know, as far as I'm aware of. <laughs> no I, worries. I do appreciate that because I think sometimes, um, and, and I'm sure it's the same for you. We work with so many different people and everybody's at a different level as far mm-hmm. as what their understanding is about the paranormal. And um, I found that the longer I've done this, it, I just have, I think experience has been my greatest teacher just going through this for so many years. And I feel like my views on on what I do have changed so much over the years, but I kind of get back to the same thing where I really enjoy the chance to not just teach people about the paranormal, but to maybe get them to look at it in a, in a healthy way. Like I've never thought of it as being terrifying or, 
you know, the whole thing with demons and yeah. it, I just find that it's, it's a lot more um, common sense stuff to me. And yes, ma'am. Yeah. And the more people can understand that, I think they don't automatically go to that place of fear because that feeds into whatever strange energy is going on anyway. You exactly. don't add to that and inflame things. So, um, but I do, I just keep learning more and more about it. And I love that aspect of what we do. And I love that message too. And I remember, you know, I'll speak on that for a second is I'm the same. I am of the same thought, you know, 99.9%, if I'm going to be honest, which I am with everybody, I tell them I've had more beautiful experiences and wonderful experiences with the paranormal than I have had anything that's been dark or, you know, use the D word. I hate the D word, uh, you know, demonic or whatever, yeah. um, through means of investigating, you know, we find out different, many of those, those types of cases. But, um, I remember, you know, when I had you at the conference at the state theater, oh God, years ago, you know, this is yes. when I wasn't so green, long in the tooth and this kind of thing myself, yeah. uh, and listening to you and, and, you know, you, I, I took everything you said in, in such a manner that I learned from you. Oh. I, I don't think I ever told you that. So knowing of what you knew of me then, you know, being that we would, we would honor, you know, we would work on the scientific method, which I still do. And a different, a different way of approaching paranormal than I think the meta metaphysical and the spiritual side, but listening to you, I took it to heart. It meant something to me and I have grown since then. And I've grown in a manner. So I have you to thank for a little bit of that as well, because I've, in this journey of doing this for so many years too, I've learned that it's okay to have spiritual inflection into what I'm learning and what's happening and to believe that and know it and metaphysical as well. There's, there's not any one formula I think that works to capture or try to understand this paranormal thing. Right. Am I, I, am I off base there? Well, absolutely. Because I mean, you never know. Um, we never know quite what we're walking into a lot of right. times. There is no one answer fits all because when you're dealing with people, whether they're they've passed or they're here, I mean, you get such a wide range of of reactions and responses. And and people, you know, I always try to tell people too that when we pass on, I don't think we change that much. I think we're mm -hmm. still, if we we're kind of a jerk when we were alive, um, there's gonna be a while there that we're gonna yeah. Back. Yes, ma'am. I share the laugh with you on that. Yeah. I use the word a-hole with people, but I, I, I say oh. the same thing. I've worked cases where we know who I think we're dealing with. If we can, if we can get some of the facts and certain things to line up, you know what I mean? Right? Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, we've said, well, I, you know, this person was known to be very grumpy and kind of an a-hole when they were alive. I think they're kind of being the same way as they've passed yeah. over and they don't want people to have their house. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, and I get that because I, I know people that are very possessive about their stuff. Oh I, yeah. And again, that's not something that necessarily goes away once we, you know, leave this physical realm. I mean, those things we're still dealing with, but, yeah. but it is interesting. But when you throw that into the mix, it makes it even harder. People might, you may have had this experience, but when people, We'll talk about the paranormal or what I do and ask questions. Um, everybody comes from such a different place. And it's really important to remember to kind of honor what their beliefs are. Now, I I always think the word demon is more of a religious terminology than mm -hmm. a thing. 
you know, it is. it's a stigma used word. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, but I think everybody has such different interpretations based on what their upbringing was, mm -hmm. their experiences have been. So um, I guess maybe the answer for, for you and I at this point, you know, in the game is that we probably know better than anybody just how much we don't know. Right. That's very, that's very true. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I tell people, you know what, at the end of my lectures or the tour at Henderson castle, I tell people, you know what I know about the paranormal? Nothing. I, I, you know, I'm giving you a, a hypothetical and an educated guess to my, my point, my, my level of understanding. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that's how we learn. I mean, we can't go to college to get a degree in this. I mean, no. there's even parapsychology is so different. I mean, so yeah, I, I think it is. It's very interesting when you come across a new situation. And um, basically, I think what it comes down to is dealing for me anyway, at this point, is dealing more with people and what they're experiencing. I've kind of lost that fire to go in and always have to investigate it myself because I know I know what I know. I mean, right. I don't have to prove anything to myself. And quite frankly, I don't think that that's something that we're going to be able to prove scientifically. My opinion is, is that I don't think that we're really supposed to know for 100% assurance. Yeah. Yeah. I that feel that way too. I do. I, I think that we're supposed to be left with you know, once we think we've answered a question, there's two more doors waiting to open right after that. And then then we may not even have the answer to that question we thought we answered 100 percent. Correct. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I think along the same lines, I really do. I think we're more alike in thought than maybe you ever thought we were or I ever thought we were. And I'm, I'm good with that. You know, because like I said I wanted to continue to learn even at 59 years old. I don't I've been around the block, but man, I'm still learning. Yeah. There's still new things coming my way. Yep. And I never would have thought that um, getting to this point in my life, and now I've got five grandkids, and the the oldest little boy, when he, oh, he's, he's 10 now, but from the time he was five, he wanted his own ghost hunting kit. And so I made him his own little kit to carry around and, um, and he just loved that thing. And he was kind of terrified of the ghost part, but he really wanted to do it. And so just, and now he's 10, he asked me a couple of weeks ago, can I go with you to your investigation tonight? I said, you know, honey, I think you're still just a little bit young. And I want to make sure that this doesn't scare you that you, but he goes, but I've been training for this my whole life. <laughs> so he thinks he's like his okay. whole life at 10 right yes right. so that, that's that's beautiful and, yeah. and i'm still doing it so here i'm doing this with my grandchildren now which you know i'm perfectly happy with that's pretty darn cool yeah i mean i've raised my four kids and i did not bring the girls you know uh into this uh, the boys kind of had an interest but not so much you know yeah but the, the two girls did and i waited till they were about 14 both of them before i took them out well, at a location because I felt it was safe enough at that point and they had they had known what dad has done and the same with my grandchildren we you and I both have the same amount of grandkids uh which is kind of cool to hear uh, I never thought that I'd be at this point but I've yeah, got five grandkids and um you know they're showing signs of some of the the sensitivity and the gift as well uh, that my daughters were blessed with but the same thing you know Elliot at five is asking me 
grandpa, when can I come out on one of your investigations? And I'm, I tell him, it's like, yeah, you know, when you're about 13, 14, we'll, we'll have a talk. We'll revisit this because he def- desperately, like your grandchild wants to be part of what we started. And um, I'm looking to one of my kids to take this on at some point when I decide I'm done. Or I don't want to do it any longer. I think that's where I'm at mindset. And I'm with you a little bit too, Kathy, on your your comment about I don't always have to go out. I'm trying to mentor a group of guys right now the best that I can within certain means, you know, like using equipment and different different process. But um, the same thing can be said there. It's like I don't have to go out on all these investigations. I'm still doing it. SMP is still around, but. I don't know if I'm making any sense. I'm with you. It's I can I can either decide I want to be there and be part of it, or I don't have to. It's one of those things. And and that's not to say that I don't still enjoy you know going into a new place and um, seeing what I can find out. That's always interesting to me. But it's not so much about the proof anymore for me. I mean, um, I'm always happy to share what I've learned with other people. Hopefully, with the hope that. I can give them the, the benefit of almost 40 years experience of doing this so that they don't have to take that long to learn it themselves, you know, but that comes from building up a certain uh, a degree of trust with people. Right. Um, right. You know, you, I think one of the things that I'm very adamant about is being honest and uh, with people. And when I don't know, I'm the first one to say, I, that's like way over. I don't get that. I never had any experience with that. And um, so maybe as long as I keep doing that, I think that I'll keep learning and, and growing from doing it. Well, I, well, I think, you know, you're, 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 what you're speaking from too is about, it's more, like you said, it's more about the experience. If you do go out more than just trying to prove it to anybody else anymore. And I, I gave that up a long time ago. It's, I'm not here to make people believe there's ghosts. Listen, I know there are, you know, um, I know that stuff exists. And I think you being very connected to wanting to preserve history is, and I'm the same, same exact way, you know, I do events and I do things. I'm very transparent with people here on the program that, you know, um, I do the stuff at Henderson, but I want to keep Frank and Mary's history alive first before I start telling anybody any ghost stories. You know, I insist on that. I tell the people that when they're there and, and I either lose some of the people in the crowd or everybody stays with me on that, on that that notion, you know, yes. uh, like your work at the farm, you know, it, it's important that people remember who these folks were, which is going to segue into my next question to you. Um, and I think that's why I continue to do a little bit of what I do too, is when I start communication, you know, on an investigation, uh, doing EVPs, spirit box, seance, uh, we're going to try starting old style seances this year, yeah. which I, I believe they, that they work. Oh, um, uh, you know, the question to me has always been why, and it's like, well, because I feel like I'm here for the dead as much as I am yeah. the living or, or the other side, because they have a voice. They want to communicate with us. They don't want to be forgotten. Right. The last thing I would want to do is be forgotten, you know, that I had an important place here in, in my little bubble of this existence. Yes, absolutely. And so I ask you, you know, do you feel that, that you're doing the same thing? I mean, is that a, a part of why you do what you do and you speak to to those on the other side? Oh, definitely. And, you know, it's interesting because my mother has told me stories that I don't always remember from when I was a child and um, and the people 
in spirit that I would see. I think mm -hmm. I started seeing them so young that I, um, it just was sort of a natural thing. I thought everybody did. And, uh, and I continue to be able to do that, but I sometimes I just choose to kind of close that off because I feel like it keeps me more in tune if I try not to, um, I don't want to get into a huge thing, but yeah, I, I think that I feel at this point that I'm here not just for the spirits because they do try so hard. I mean, we think we're always trying so hard to communicate with them, but they encounter the same problems that we do, except coming from the other side, trying to connect with us. So um, there are places that I tend to be drawn to because I connect with the spirits that are there. And I think that's the way it is at the Robinson Manor in Allegan, the old John Robinson Hospital. Yep. Um, I'm definitely there for the spirits that are there because a lot of them are children. And so I, there are times where I'll have <clears throat> and, and have a group coming in. And after they leave, I'll sit down. People, I often wonder what people would think if they really knew um, some of the things that, that we do. But I'll sit down and read a couple of children's books to them. I mean, and the, the difference in the energy is so palpable when when they know that you're noticing them, you're feeling them, you're talking to them, you're including them and right. you know, giving them some validation of their own existence. So that's really why I do it. Or the people that are having things happen to them that they just do not understand and they're miserable. And um, if I can help them feel comfortable living in their home. I mean, you'd be surprised at how fast people just want to sell their house if they think that there's oh yeah. Yeah. Going on. They just they don't have the tools to deal with that. So maybe it's part living and part the the spirits that have passed, but that's who I really um I love to I love to hear that. Yeah. You're you're yeah, you're evoking emotion, you know, and that's and I did the same thing. It's a way to evoke certain communication. You know, I, and speaking yeah. of children, again, you, you must be in tune with me tonight about certain questions I was going to ask. So yes. we might as well jump on the children thing. Cause I'm asked all the time, why do we pick up, you know, responses from children who seem to be intelligent responses? I don't for a minute think it's a trickster, somebody trying to pretend. Right. I've only had that one or two times folks. Uh, those of you listening where we were able to seed that out, we could tell by language and certain things, but I don't have an answer for you. I don't. Um, and I, as as Kathy said, we've done the same thing. We'll kneel down. We'll sit down. Uh, it's usually comes. It we're, usually works better with the women in the group because uh, they have a softer disposition. And I think than seeing a six foot two guy like me, uh, you know, trying to talk to him. But uh, I'm called the baby whisper at home, by the way, Kathy, uh, by a lot of people in my family because kids <laughs> just take to me. But I, in spirit world, not so not so often. But um, yeah, so we do the same thing. I love to hear that. And I think you provide a service too. As you said, you know, some of these people tend to get a little over emotional uh, because all that they're rating any of their experience against sometimes is the TV programs, the, t you know, the television shows, as, I, as I'm referring to movies, books, you know, yeah. it, it's always something's evil. It's trying to get you, you know, this thing's <laughs> in your house. And I tell people, listen, you know, there were people too, and maybe they don't want to give up the house, but you can find peace uh, oh. within a lot of these cases. You can get along and or take your, your place back. And, and again, that's a whole nother show, but 
Right. Um, I love the way you talk and the way you explain this because it's very eloquently put as opposed to how I would probably address it. I'm, I'm not as well-spoken probably as you are, but. Uh, but I think that we both, given the number of people um, and spirits that we've run into, I mean, there, I know from experience that there are spirits that definitely relate better to men, especially if it's a, a generational thing where, you know, 50 years ago or a hundred years ago, even more so it was, um, you know, men just didn't include women. Right. They didn't, they didn't. And so you would be much more likely to like evoke some kind of a response from them. Um, so we all do have our different parts to play. Well, very well said. I'll, I, I will, I will, I will, uh, concede to the, uh, person who's had more experience with that than me. And I think you're right. I definitely think you're right. Uh, I think it's that rhyme and reason explanation that I throw out. And I think you just explained that rhyme or reason, uh, as, as why we get a contact sometimes and other times we don't, you know, I have people ask all the time, why is it I'm in a room and we'll hear a noise and we'll check our recording devices and we're all reacting to it, but we don't catch that noise on our recorders or, you know, we don't know that anything's happening and then all sorts of people are trying to whisper to us and, and talk to us or a three ring circus, as I've said to people, just to kind of get a laugh out of them that I go into a room and nothing feels like nothing's going on. And I go back and check my review on my equipment and there's a three ring circus going on in the room, you know, uh, yeah. one of those types of deals. It's true. You just, that's what I mean when I say, you know, we never know really what no. we're into. No, we don't. You know? And I think one of the marks of a really good investigator is that person being able to make the decision that they're really not going to do any good in a situation. And maybe it's not um, the energy feels off and having enough sense to know when to walk away too, I think is really important. Um, but yeah. I had to learn that. I'm glad you said that too. I had to learn that, you know, very early on that we weren't always going to be able to solve, you know, what this, this client, you know, wanted or things that were going on in a location, whether it be historic or house or otherwise. Right. Um, and, and let me go back a little bit. Let me, uh, before we take our first break here, um, let me ask you, do you remember like your first private investigation when you thought, you wanted to to work with people one on one, and because I've had I got a lot of interesting stories, but I'm I'm certain you do too. Do you remember your first one? Um, yes, uh, I remember. Once my kids got into high school, then I finally felt like I had the time to devote to this in a more organized way, like become okay. part of a group. And right. and so this was in New England, by the way, then. And so I did join up with a group that covered like Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts. And the first investigation that we did in someone's home, it's funny because you were asking the question about the children. And I think a lot of times people are concerned when we talk about people hearing children's voices and hearing them laughing and playing. That bothered me at first too. I thought, now why would a child be stuck here. I don't believe they're stuck anymore. But at the time, that's the way I saw it, that they were stuck there. And there was a home in Rhode Island. And I'll tell you, here in Michigan, we think we love our old farmhouses. And if they date back to 1885, we think, wow, that's so cool. It's so old. But in, in Connecticut, it was like 1720. Right. Correct. I, yeah. 
a long time, a long period and all the history. But these people said, we just aren't comfortable in our home anymore. We keep hearing um, uh, voices of children playing and we feel we've seen a man upstairs. And um, so of course, you know, the first part of doing an investigation is you wanna dig in and do your background research, which we did. And um, that was also my first experience in really seeing how vital doing that research is to what it you're is. trying to right. find. And we did find out that the name of the couple that built the house and they had come over from England and they were Puritans. I mean, they definitely were straight off the boat and very religious, um, very puritanical. I mean, so the man that lived there, we think what happened. So anyway, I found, I did find the cemetery where the family was buried and they were all buried together. And you could see from the dates on the stones that it must've been like a cholera outbreak or because like the whole family was almost like <laughs> in the space of a couple of weeks and the the man the husband the father was the most present of the um of the people there now this is one of those cases where if i sat down and just listened i could hear him trying to explain to me why he was still there and that doesn't happen all the time but he was really um, very concerned. And I guess it was because in the eyes of his religion, like he kind of expressed to me, I can walk out the front door of my house and walk down the street and my neighbor's wife could come out and just say hello. And I'd say, hello, it's a nice morning. But he said, but in my religion, I just coveted my neighbor's wife. And he said, and that's one of those big ones. It's a deal breaker. I mean, oh, yeah. that you're going straight to hell and the Puritans really went all out to create a vision of hell that would a vision of fear and hell. Yeah. Right. Oh right. my gosh. Um, so basically what it came down to was this poor man was afraid to move on because he thought that that was what was waiting for him was this eternal right. hell fire and damnation. And, um, it was really satisfying to be able to explain. That was one of the first times I actually felt I could connect with spirit and say, I understand exactly what you're saying, but that's really not the way it works and try to, and whether it was what our group did when we went in or whatever, um, the activity did stop after that. So that was, we don't always get that kind of closure, which I'm sure right. you know. It's, oh yeah. It's, There's times it, you make a difference and a lot of times don't. Yeah, exactly. And so we were lucky enough to do that. But that was the first part. And I remember thinking, wow, this this is so much more than just um, people running around to get a thrill and, you know, the teenagers going and drinking in the cemeteries at night because they want to be scared. And um, it just really started to fall in place with that one case for me. And, um, you know, I've had other things happen along those lines, but um, but I do remember that very well because that was very pivotal for me. I love to hear that story. Yeah, that is amazing. And I have I have some stuff to say to that. Uh, <laughs> very, very, very familiar uh, to me what you just described. And I've, I've had a case much like that, too. Um, we're going to take our first break, everybody. I want you to stay with us here on Unrestricted Paranormal. Now, remember, you're listening to us on Unrestricted 
radio.com. Uh, the app is free. Tell your friends, your neighbors, your family, even the family members you can't stand. You know, Bill Bridges, that's all I'm about here. Uh, we play a lot of music and we present bands and things that you will not hear on your local station. I can guarantee it. Uh, but you're listening to this program. I'd like to thank our exclusive sponsor for my network in this program, which is Henderson Castle and Francois Moyer. Uh, thank uh, you, sir, very much. And HendersonCastle.com. It's an 1895 bed and breakfast here in Kalamazoo. You can book yourself a room, uh, have a splendid uh, time here. And once a month, yours truly, if you want to come along for the ride, we, we attempt this is what I say now. We attempt to give you a historic ghost tour. Uh, there's times that the tour goes really well. And other times, you know, I, I get people who like to drink and they get very, very intoxicated as the tour starts. So it's one of those things. Um, yeah. But but I offer a lot of history about Frank and Mary Henderson. Uh, yeah, I don't want to give away too much. Uh, we explore the family. Uh, I think Cami Fleckenstein, as always, for... Uh, doing the uh, history uh, on the, the house that Francois uses, and um, I use her PDF. Um, she used to be a part of what we were doing, but she's since moved away and kind of doing her own thing now. So, uh, but th much thanks to her. Uh, also, I'd like to thank you if you uh, you guys can't see me, but I'm wearing my Gun Barrel hat. Okay, Gun Barrel coffee. You've had the rest, tried the best. GunBarrelCoffee.com. It is owned by veterans, roasted by a veteran. This is a great, great grandfather family tradition. There are coffee roasters outside Chicago and Batavia, Illinois. Um, all proceeds from their store sales online or in their store uh, go to help veterans organizations, uh, you know, many, many veterans organizations. And I'm all about helping the vets. All right, guys, we're going to listen to some great music. I think uh, since I've got Kathy on, I'm going to pull some old stuff from the 70s. Uh, maybe, you know, Green Balm, you know. That song good. about Jesus, you know, spirits in the sky. I love this song. And uh, we'll be back for more right after this. Hey, you listening to this podcast, I've got a message for you. If you've drank the rest, now drink the best. Gun Barrel Coffee. We are the Gun Barrel Coffee Incorporated team. We are united by the love of coffee, guns, freedom, and America. What started as a hobby has turned into a high-quality home-roasted coffee enjoyed by family, friends, and now the public. We are proud to donate a portion of our proceeds to the organizations who support those who serve, those who protect and defenders of our rights and freedom. Accept no other substitutes. You've had the rest. Now drink the best. Gun Barrel Coffee. You can find the guys at GunBarrelCoffee.com. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> my mommy. Well, I've been afraid of changing Cause I've built my life around you Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Thoughts of suicide may feel impossible to overcome. But with help and support, you can find hope and meaning. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK to speak to a counselor or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. 
It's free. It's confidential. It's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And even if it feels like it, you're not alone. Take a stand. Take a stand. Take a stand. Like my brother did, when he wouldn't take no for an answer. Like my wife did, when she asked the right questions. Like my friend did, when she made the call. You stood by us when we were in uniform, so stand by us now. Take a stand for those who served our country. If you're a veteran in crisis, or no one who is, the Confidential Veterans Crisis Line is here for you. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Chat at veteranscrisisline.net or text 838-255. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally near I will see my dream come alive at last I will touch the sky And they're not gonna hold me down no more No, they're not gonna change my mind Cause I've got faith of the heart
you awesome music lovers are listening to Unrestricted Radio. Check out Unrestricted Radio at unrestrictedradio.com and download the Unrestricted Radio app today. Unrestricted Radio. We play the bands that other radio stations should be playing. Hey, you listening to this podcast, I've got a message for you. If you've drank the rest, now drink the best. Gun Barrel Coffee. We are the Gun Barrel Coffee Incorporated team. We are united by the love of coffee, guns, freedom, and America. What started as a hobby has turned into a high-quality home-roasted coffee enjoyed by family, friends, and now the public. We are proud to donate a portion of our proceeds to the organizations who support those who serve, those who protect and defenders of our rights and freedom. Accept no other substitutes. You've had the rest. Now drink the best. Gun Barrel Coffee. You can find the guys at GunBarrelCoffee.com. Saturday, August 20th, 2022. Coming to Hartford, Michigan at the Van Buren Poorhouse Museum, it's Ghostorama. Ghostorama is a -a one-of-a-kind event. It's a paranormal meet and greet, slash flea market, slash comic con, car show, and much, much more. There'll be paranormal groups, the Ghostbusters, the Mystery Machine, spooky vendors, live band, ghost tour, Jurassic Park, killer cars, food truck, disc jockey, historical museum, kid haunted house, and much more. Van Buren County Historical Museum. That's right, out at 58471 Red Arrow Highway, Hartford, Michigan. 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. It's an outdoor market, which is free to the public. That's right. You heard me. It's open to the public. There'll be a museum tour, $5 per person. Also, from 9 to 11, a ghost tour, $20 per person. That's right. Ghostorama is hitting West Michigan, Saturday, August 20th, 2022, at the Hartford Van Buren Poorhouse Museum. This is sponsored by Southern Michigan Paranormals, unrestrictedradio.com. The Great Lakes Ghostbuster Coalition, How to Halloween, Frankenfest, and the Midwest Parahistorical Society. This is the Big Dog, and I want you to know that you're not alone. The team at the National Runaway Safe Line is here for you, offering a range of support services 24-7. For the hotline, call 1-800-RUNAWAY or 1-800-786-2929. To speak with a trained NRS staff member or volunteer who will listen and support you. If you are a victim of child abuse or are thinking of running away to escape an abusive home, call now and you will be helped. The number again is 1-800-786-2929. Easy, my monster, easy. Yes, you too can experience the Frankenfest in Lansing, June 25th, 2022 at the Turner Dodge House. And again with us at Frankenfest, September 17th, 
2022 at Fort Wayne, Detroit. Yes, that's right. There's going to be all sorts of activities going on at the Dragon Fest this year. We're going to see monster exhibits, aerialists, killer cars, paranormal workshops, reptile adoption opportunities, theater bazaar, food trucks, cat bar, and much, much more. Yes, it is open to the public. So remind yourselves, Frankenfest is in June 25th, 2022 at the Turner Dodge House in Lansing. And of course, Detroit, September 17th, 2022. <laughs> For further information, be sure to go to www.frankenfest.com. We'll see you there!
first, we went nowhere. Uh, we're sitting at our at our studios in our prospective homes, staring at each other, yes. kind of wondering what's going on. Uh, but welcome back to the program. I've got Kathy Condor of MPE. Uh, she is an author, and we're going to talk about her book. Don't worry, everybody, just take a breath. Okay, <laughs> we're going to talk about her book before we get to the end of the show. I promise. Um, Kathy has been investigating for, uh, as she said, thirty plus years. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm running a close second. I, I am not quite there. I, I would have to say since 2006. So I'm in the 15 to 20 for a while. So, yeah. yeah. For a while. Uh, you know, good experiences, bad experiences. And I definitely want to share some of the, uh, f- fun moments or crazy moments, if you will, in the paranormal that maybe a lot of people don't know about, but, uh, you know, we were talking about how we communicate, you know, why we're doing this. I mean, it started out as a hobby kind of thing because it always was an interest interest to me as it was you as a young child. Um, I grew up with the stuff happening, those of you who know me around me all my life, and uh, I, I didn't share certain things that were happening to me till I got a little older, about my, my late 30s, mid 40s. That's right around the time that I became aware of Kathy uh, up in Plainwell, Allegan area, doing her thing. And uh, I have since opened up about it. And I tell everybody that there's times that it's a very good tool. There's times it's a very good gift. Other times I get nothing. I let it happen when it happens. And uh, that's going to lead me to my next question to Kathy. Yes. Are you, are you sensitive? And do you have people in your group that have been sensitive? And and what do you think of psychics, psychics and mediums as far as usage in the paranormal? Well, I think, if they are, um, if they're authentic and they're good at what they do, I think they provide an invaluable service. Um, but again, it's you. You really, no matter how gifted you are as a psychic or a medium, um, you can't always be on or. You know, you you just not same thing like you say when we go into an investigation. There are times where everything just pops, and times where it doesn't. But um, I think a lot of people that are drawn to studying the paranormal and getting involved in it probably have a little bit of sensitivity to begin with. Um, you know, I could be wrong, but it's just been kind of my impression as I've gotten to know people and um, that I've worked with consistently. And some of them are definitely more gifted as mediums um, than than others, but it it can just be the one puzzle piece that you're looking for. Yeah, um, yeah, for for sure. myself, I think when I was younger, uh, I didn't share that. I still don't share that with everybody. I mean, it's a very important part of me as a person, but it's, I don't want people to get caught up in that part of it because that's really, I see them and I can communicate with them, but I can't always, it depends on the spirit. So I still go back to my old ways of trying to find out from them, you know, what's going on and what can we help you with? Um, so I do think it, it is very important. And, but the ones that aren't good, can just do so much damage and I'm very wary and actually Dan the thing that's so funny is that as much of a believer as I am I'm also very skeptical and it's very hard to convince me of some things because I just have seen so much and 
you just have, you can't just be very trusting. I tend to believe what people tell me and, and I want to believe that they're on the level, but they just aren't always. You, so. you and I have never had a sit down and had coffee or tea together. We, we definitely need to listening to where you're at, which again, you know, it's my first time really kind of digging into where, where your thought process is. And it's, it's right in line with mine. That's yeah. why I share a smile with you while you're sharing that. So I'm the same way. I, I met so many people starting out in this and some became friends and then you find out they don't totally have this thing. Uh, yeah. That's kind of hard on me too. You know, it's hard on all of us, but you know, then there are others that I trust and there's others that it, it took years of looking for the right people to trust. And I would, I won't want to say I was cruel and kind of testing, but you know, I'm looking for certain things. Yes. And uh, what you said too, you know, I, I tell everybody the same thing. I'm a skeptic, but I'm also a believer. And what I mean by that is just what you explained, Kathy, is like, I'm always good for a good story and it's all great till it happens to me uh, because I can't rate a judgment against that, that process unless I've seen it for myself or that same similar thing has happened to me. Um, and I get a lot of stories. I'm sure you have too which lends to a little bit of laughter and, and the hilarity in this that, you know, I've heard about fairies and, and a lot of different things, which I'm not so sure I'm convinced, but. It's hard it, to say no. Often. As far as they know, right. As far as I know, I don't know at all. You know, we've said that, but uh, some of it lends to, you know, some crazy situations, but um, I think everybody that's listening to this program, if you're involved in the paranormal, you're an investigator, uh, my advice, and I'm sure Kathy's, I can't speak for her, but I, I'll let her sound off here in a second. You know, it, it's go into it that way, that you're still learning. Um, if anybody's offering you one absolutes in anything, there are no absolutes in paranormal. Uh, we know what we know. You can believe what you believe because you can rate it against something you've experienced and whatnot. But uh, just be cautious. You know, don't don't take everything the minute you hear a creak or a bump. You know, it's a ghost and research. Kathy mentioned research. I'm all about researching the land, the water, the the ground. I connect it to weather and planetary alignment. I, I, I you know, we've had Wiccans who's worked with us in the group, all sorts of different people, or people that I, I had to come to trust and to know. Yes. Uh, I put it all in the mix. You know, it's all in the mix. It's all part of it. It really it's all part of it. Yeah. But, I, but like, I love to hear that you're the same way as me as far as skepticism, you know. Just wait, wait, see for yourself, you know, wait till you, you experience yourself. And I, I take a lot of people who are, you know, law enforcement, when they would talk to me, Kathy, I'm, I'm sure you've probably talked to law enforcement too, in this process of investigating. Um, I get a lot of strange stories from a lot of the law enforcement people I've known over oh, the years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they would always tell me like, listen, I'd rather go on after somebody with a gun in that building than answer these silent alarms in these abandoned buildings that I go in there and I hear people talking to me and, Next thing I know, I'm not telling anybody a dispatch, you know. And well, Exactly. And I feel that way in going out and in investigating places that might be a little bit out of the way. And All right. of course, there are no lights at night and you're um, it's it's really not the ghosts that scare me. In fact, we used to kind of jokingly refer to them as the breathers, you know, we, <laughs> breathers in the old abandoned cemetery the dead people were fine but just i just didn't want to run into anyone who who still had their physical body because you can't always trust how they're gonna think so yeah yeah no ma'am you can't um yeah uh for sure i i've said the same thing i fear more what's out there in the daylight 
Yes. Uh, having worked in corporate security and, and oh, private yeah. security, I've seen some things, you know, uh, and I've worked with Kalamazoo County Sheriff's Department closely, city police, township, you know, I've worked closely with them all in different jobs that I've had. And uh, the stories abound. And, and the same for you and I in paranormal. You know, I asked about your first private case. Um, how about your one of your first historical places that you did and, and some things that may have happened to you there? Uh, was there any one in particular that may have just, I use the word wonder, that may have set you back a little bit and you were just in this, for a while you were in this world of wonder. Does that make it, does that make sense to ask it that way? Like you're just like, whoa, this is awesome. And I think that that has always been the case with me in Gettysburg. Um, mm. Something about, and I have theories about why I'm so connected, but the first time going there is a very inexperienced, just learning paranormal investigator was such a, an eye opener because I think I realized for the first time just how the suffering and the turmoil of a huge battle like that doesn't just end when the battle ends. I mean, there to me, well, you it's just such a unique place anyway, but yeah. Like you were saying about the history, for me, it's Civil War history. I just love and any of those things. But but that, as far as everything that happened at first, tied into the historical aspect of the location, which was so interesting. I always try to keep an open mind going in. But inevitably, um, there would be really strange things that would happen there. And I'm always on a sense, always have a sense of like being on high alert when I'm there. I, I, I can't relax. I can't, it's just very intense for me, but without question for me, it would have to be, um, yeah, yeah. No yeah, and I, I visited, I'm with you. I felt very overwhelmed oh. and, I, and I would almost ask you too, do, do, and, and I kind of believe it to be so, I don't know why I would ask this, but do you think that you were there in a past life and, and maybe you died there? I do. Is that fair to say? <laughs> And it, it, because I can't, I can't explain what my feelings and emotions and things were there. Um, this is kind of a very interesting but strange experience that I had there once. My oldest daughter um, had gone with me to Gettysburg, and we were staying in a hotel, and we were on the, the battlefield all day, and. I was exhausted when we got back. I just was so drained and um, fell asleep. And my daughter said that probably a couple of hours after we got back, she thought she heard me talking. And so she turned over and we had a like a little nightlight on, but she could see me. And she said, and this is the daughter who really fights any sort of connection to the paranormal. I think she's very sensitive, but she's never embraced it. You know, she understands that she has this, you know, sensitivity to it, but she never has pursued it. But she said, I looked over at you and you were talking to someone. And she said, but your eyes were closed and you were sleeping. But as you were talking, there was like a mist coming around your mouth. She oh, wow. said, you were talking to someone and she said, the room was so cold. This was in the middle of summer and we, you know, we had the fan on, but... No. Um, she said, but the temperature just dropped very suddenly and you're carrying on a conversation with someone and I can't see them and you look like you're asleep. So I think, 
even when I was off in Gettysburg, as in sleeping, I still couldn't totally break away from it. Yeah. So something's going on there. I don't, I guess I may not ever know exactly until I'm not around to tell anybody, but um, that was very real for me. It was fascinating. I just, I find it so interesting. No, your story is interesting. I mean, I could listen to you for hours, tell that story. <laughs> um, I, I, was, I was the same way when I went there. I mean, it's not just the sensitivity of feeling all the sadness and death and and you knowing the history, me knowing the history, you know, we both know what happened there, but I felt connected to you in a weird way. And uh, I, like you, I could not explain it. Uh, my brother who doesn't believe in anything, yeah. my, my younger brother, he had a weird feeling too, an experience, which is weird for him. Uh, as we were just getting ready to approach Devil's Den and we were going to head up the little uh, big round top there, yeah. Uh, cause I want to see where Joshua Chamberlain led his charge. That's my hero. Uh, one of my heroes, uh, very learned man, interesting individual. And, um, he stopped and he said, man, I just, I go, what's the matter? And he's like, I just feel so sad. Like I want to cry. And I said, well, I was kind of having that moment in the car on the drive up to, you know, where you can get out of your car and walk uh, to where you're going to be. And uh, I felt that way the whole time I was there. And, um, I will share with you. Kathy and, and people now that we took the walk from Pickett's line and we were allowed to walk. Uh, we talked to a ranger and, and he walked with us and we walked that whole charge, you know, where they would have held their line and walked. And there were portions in that field, folks. I got to tell you, you can see it fine where you're standing. And I thought, there's no way you'd had to shoot me back here, but that was different. That's not how people were back then. No. You know, it was honor and commitment. It's and, uh, when you get into certain drops in the valley of that cornfield, you couldn't see. You couldn't see where where the where the, the Union Army was. And I haven't that, ever that, so that's oh the, God, that overwhelmed me. I thought, man, you, now you can't see what you're walking into. But I'm sure you're feeling it with canister and all the horrific things that were happening. But uh, I didn't mean to go on a tirade there. Sorry, but it's it's a very special place. Um, I haven't talked to him in, in a couple of years, but I got to know, you know, Mark Nesbitt. I'm sure you've met, oh. talked to Mark and, and stuff. And then I, my good friend who passed away, Rob Conover, I really miss him, passed away a couple of years ago. Um, hit one of his uh, buddies in his group, Paul, runs the uh, transfer, the train transfer uh, station in that area, which is where they had the major battle. So I'd been invited down several times, never made the trip. You know, it's money. <laughs> it's making the trip, family, grandkids, you know. Oh, of course. I um, you know how that goes. So I could talk about it, too, all night long, but it is a very special place. But, uh, yeah, that's interesting that you have a connection. I felt something there, too. And I think with World War II, I have a little weird of a, a weird connection uh, going with that. And then, of course, medieval. I think we all, uh, medieval stuff draws to me. Uh, we found out through my uh, heritage thing. Uh, that my wife did on us, that uh, my family is from Yorkshire, but we are Irish, and I did not know that. So I'm I'm uh, 80 something, or no, 60, 65 or 70 something percent Dane, uh, Irish, and German, and French. Ah. Um, and then on my, that's my father's side. On my mother's side, I got about one or two percent Native American because my great great grandmother was Ojibwa oh, okay. uh, Indian. But uh, Let's talk. That's a segue to Native American sites. Many shows, Kathy, I, I talk uh, about 
if I hear one more paranormal person or somebody come with me that, Hey, uh, you know, uh, I have a native American burial ground on my backyard, or I know that natives were lived on my property. Uh, what's the other one? Al Capone, Al Capone had a house South of me. Do you, do you get a lot of that still? Oh yeah. (laughs) Especially in Michigan, because I, during the twenties, thirties, there was so much going on with prohibition being in place that it just created this perfect storm for hauntings. I mean, but you're, you hear a lot about the purple gang and Capone and, you know, yeah. Um, have you worked a native American, uh, site where you feel that you guys, you know, through research and stuff that you've had a connection? Uh, lots, because if you dig enough, when you're doing your research, you're eventually going to find that time where, you know, history really wasn't recorded. There might be a lot of, you know, oral kind of tales and legends that are passed down. But um, back to the example of the um, the John Robinson Hospital, former John Robinson Hospital in Allegan, is very active. I mean, I've always felt that it was one of the most consistently active places that I've ever worked in. Right. But the interesting thing about that is that I met a gentleman who um, 10 years ago, he was he was a school teacher in Allegan when he was 17. So he was really elderly and his name was John Paul, brilliant man. He was kind of the unofficial historian of, of Allegan. And he had told me the story that he knew and they built the hospital in 1909. So it's been a long time ago, but this Mr. Paul was very familiar with it. And he had gone into the hospital when the builders were still working on it. And um, so it, it hadn't been opened as a hospital yet. It really, the building itself had no history to speak of. Um, but he told me that when he would go in and talk to the check-in with the builders and ask them how things were going, they said, well, the only problem we're having is we lock up the building at night and, you know, they had the key, but it wasn't something that was accessible during the building. Right. right. Uh, and they would always put their tools away and they closed down the building for the night. And he said that every single morning when the, when the builders, carpenters, plumbers, everybody came back, their tools were never where they left them. They'd have oh, wow. on a hunt throughout the building to find their tools. So, <laughs> So what's what's the history here? Well, the only thing at that period of time that I can think of looking at the history of Allegan was Allegan is right on the Kalamazoo River. And mm-hmm. back in the day, like the late 1800s and even before, well before, there was a lot of um, trading that went on right in that specific lo- location among the yes, natives. Ma'am. So, right. The Native American history is so intense and strong there. So you may think that you've dug down and done this research, but how can you explain then, you know, this thing that happened before anybody ever was in the building? So it's not always the building. It brings its own energy in, but there's usually a pre-existing um, happening or, or something that you can tie into it. So right. It goes back to being really open-minded. It's so easy to, or it's easy to fall into the habit of saying, well, this is right and this is wrong. And it just never works that way. You you go with the punches and keep your mind open and receptive. And 
So yeah, definitely. That's a big part of it. I think. Yeah. You got to be on the show with me more often and be my co-host and, and share the stuff. <laughs> uh, no all joking aside. I'm serious. Um, yeah. I say the same thing, you know, guys, you know, we're, there were a lot of lives in, in, you know, humans here uh, before the modern history is, you know, yes. and we think of native American, but uh, we were called out on a case one time too, uh, where this house had been put on the edge, their property and behind them, it's all a wetland now. But what it was before was a quarry. And when they were digging this quarry uh, up past Allegan Plainwell area, it's in that area, um, they were discovering Neolithic bones, uh, that there had been encampments there that were, you know, pre-Native American and different things of that nature. So how do I handle that case? You know, I don't know. You know, it's like, uh, well, I don't know what's happening here on your property. Um, and when we did do, you know, the investigation, we had some odd some odd things. And then it wasn't a lot, wasn't over the top, but you're right. You know, doing the research, uh, the dead outnumber the living. If I'm to tell anybody anything. Exactly. And as Kathy was telling you in, in the same way is that we can't always assume it's just because of modern times or modern haunting. Yeah. We know that the hospital, let's say I'm going to make up a date. Let's say the hospital was put up in 1901 and you think, well, you know, it's been there since 1901. It was a hospital. People died and people were born there okay but that doesn't lend that this is a modern haunting you know and haunting is such a negative connotation anyway activity doesn't doesn't yeah. mean that it's got activity or that it's anything modern so yes i agree with you we we have to look deeper uh when i worked in howell michigan you know i had to go way back and uh i i, I was lucky that i fell um in good grace with two historical societies who were at each other all the time I don't know if you've ever been in that, that middle of that in your travels, but it was hard to get them to work together. But I had two good people in each thing to give me good information. Um, and, you know, it wasn't all modern uh, as we exactly. go. Uh, That's, that is a good point, because I do think when people have asked me, well, then where do I start? I think if you can find someone in a local historical society and generally generally they really like to share what they know and they love the history as much as a lot of the others of us do. Um, they can be an invaluable help and resource when you're doing research. And right. um, it's always good to kind of touch base with them and yes, ma'am. Good yeah. to have them on and, your and, and, Yeah. And make friends, you know, I mean, I reached out to some, some people here. I won't mention their names. I'm sure you know who they are. Uh, who they've written books and we have a historian here who her father, he passed away, but he used to be our photographer and sing out. Um, well, Sharon. Okay. We'll mention Sharon. And, and, and of course uh, the other uh, uh, individual who has written many uh, historic books and she's yeah. a Kalamazoo historian. Um, I would reach out to them in such a fashion that I didn't always let on that I was a paranormal investigator. Oh. I, I did that because sometimes that comes with a weird look. Oh, Even though they may know have known you or they know other people who were doing this stuff before me, I used to get really weird responses. So they were still a great source. They would help me immeasurably or point me in the right direction. Yeah. Um, I would say say that um, you know, I found out by going to the library, searching plant maps. Uh, if I'm again, if I'm sharing experience here, and I would tell everybody cross-reference everything that you have on a location because you will be shocked and amazed at how you discover a lot of side things that are attached to the place that you're oh. investigating. And then you get some information you never thought that you'd probably come across. Yeah. Um, I use university of Michigan and I also use uh, university of Western. I have passes to both historical oh. archives. 
Um, well, it's knowing somebody, you know, the, the game, Kathy, you know how that works. Sometimes it's not asking politely. It's, you know, somebody who exactly. will get you through the door, right? Exactly. Right. Um, let's talk about your book. We've kind of covered some paranormal. I want to talk to you more about this. I want to, I definitely want to have you back on so we can just talk about all our investigations and all these crazy, <laughs> some of the crazy people we've met in, in turn too. Uh, in kindness. I mean this with kindness. Um, <laughs> your book, you know, as you said, is called Haunting Spirits and Eats of Michigan. Um, I took a look through what I could get off of Amazon, and I'm assuming there's probably some places I've eaten and there have been. Uh, tell us about the book. How did you come up with this idea? And Well, given that, you know, this is pretty much what I do, and the people that know me all know that this is what I do. And so I found that uh, a lot of people would come to me and say, we really are interested in finding out how this works. Like, why would a certain places be haunted and some places not? And where would you suggest that I go if I wanted to just get a feel for it? You know, because really, like we were saying earlier, there's no other way to really learn it other than to just do it. To and do it, right, right. Consistently. And um, so I thought, why don't I just put this all down? With some, obviously, you know, even in this book, I think there are 89 locations. Um, it just scratches, barely scratches the tip. And, but the thing I enjoyed, I think, the most about writing the book, and I, I just was really looking forward to putting all these places down. But each place, um, I tried to where I could, you know, that there are a lot of places that are kind of you and I might look at as obviously being like an urban legend and yeah, yeah. take on a life greater than. Mm -hmm. So I tried to go through and in places where I felt really strongly that it wasn't at all haunted, um, I tried to explain with the history of the location why people might give them this little seed that they then planted and it grew in to this huge thing. So I had that luxury of indulging my own interest in the history and putting a little bit of history with each place. And um, I hope I made it clear in the book that, you know, you, you aren't always going to get results, even at the place that everybody says are so haunted and you don't have to go at night because oh. Like mouth cemeteries, some of the older ones, you could kill yourself tripping over tree roots and yeah, yeah. do it in the daytime. Oh, the like... paranormal is not on a time clock, folks. It's... Everybody hearing me out there, it's not on a time clock. We don't always have to do this at at nighttime. We choose to do that at some locations because the world's running a little quieter. Okay, that's my best explanation. Yeah, go ahead, Kathy. I mean, I just want to tell people, man, we don't always do this at night. That's exactly what I'm saying. I think that you know, so. For me, that was really the fun part. And I also got to, because most of the places I have been to and have investigated over the years, but um, I also got to include experiences that I had that would be something sort of new for people maybe. Um, and when you get a chance to look through the book, I did do um, a piece on the Henderson Castle. and what my experiences were when I stayed there and uh, which I wasn't expecting. It's that's the other interesting thing to me. I went into the Henderson. I talked to, to Francois. I got the whole thing set up. I was going to spend the night and um, which was all great. 
but I didn't really have any expectations. I wasn't quite right. sure what I, I've heard about the different things that happened there. And so even though you try not to think that way, you're also like part of me is looking to see a little dog somewhere. And <laughs> so the experience that I ended up having was so different from anything I expected to have that it was just a wonderful validation for me. And specifically, with the one on, on the Henderson Castle was that it was a very positive experience with the spirit. It wasn't at all frightening or um, I didn't see it coming, but it did. And it was just uh, that kind of thing. I really enjoyed being able to. I love, I love to hear that. Thank you for that. You didn't have to say that, but I, I love you sharing that experience. I do. I love that. Um, because I tell people that it's usually a positive interaction here. And as you alluded to, you know, it's grown into this thing that unfortunately I had a little bit of a hand in, you know, this 10 most haunted bed and breakfast. And I'm not trying to discourage that because um, it brings in business to the tour. And I'm not doing it because of money. Again, I'm transparent. I do it because I love doing the, the tour and telling people about Frank and Mary. But I, I love you sharing that. Um, where I'm going with this, because I always go around the block in order to tell a story, Yes, uh, is that um, it meant something to me that people understood that it's a positive interaction and it doesn't always happen. And there's so many paranormal groups who have been in and out of there. Some are in for a couple hours during the day. They might spend the night and they're all, like you said, there's an expectation built on what somebody else reported due to an interview I've given or Francois given, right. plus some of the people that come and go from the castle. I'm sure you you ran into this with some of your locations that you'll have employees who tell people all sorts of stories. And the next thing you know, the place is haunted. And I don't know. I'll, I'll let it go. Okay, yeah. continue. I want you to continue talking about your book. I'm sorry. Well, I don't know if you are even interested. You might just want to read of the experience in the book. But there were a, a few other places where the experiences that I had were were again like protective mm -hmm. and and almost to the point of being nurturing. So we have to remember, and I feel that mine was with Mary Henderson at the Henderson Castle. Um, and she was so strong and amazingly, I mean, of course we do, we read about these people and I'm sure you know a lot more about the Hendersons than, than I do, uh, but it does, it's always um, enlightening to me when I have an experience that I think she didn't have to do what she did for me that night with my um, interaction with her, but she seems like a good, good person. I mean, well, well and so are you. You're no or other than that one experience, right? And so are you. You're a good-natured person. You got a beautiful heart, beautiful soul. You're an old soul, um, and. That's just observation. Uh, I don't know you very personally, but, you know, I think that's when she chooses to interact is when she's found somebody who's of similar similar mind and, and feeling and soul, I guess. I don't know any other way to put that. So maybe maybe that's why it happened. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I think that's the way we are with each other. I mean, we always tend to gravitate to people that yeah. we really feel in tune with and there's a connection there. So again, it goes back to my telling people, don't just assume that if a place has a haunted reputation um, and it very well may rightfully have that, but it doesn't mean it has to be negative. I mean, 
you have a lot to do with how your experience is going to turn out. I think it's kind of back on us again. So, um, but it just, it's, it's like a never ending source of, for me, this validation that this isn't the end, not that I didn't feel that way before, but each time I experience something and I think, wow, this all just kind of fits into place. Like there is a reason for this. And, um, and I think that spirits on the other side are more than happy to lend a hand when we need it. Um, whether, whether it's asking, you know, you never, I, at least I'm never sure how people, what their spiritual beliefs are. And so I always have to tread kind of gently, but yes, I yeah. feel that there's a wealth of help and um, reassurance and advice that's available to us just right there if we just ask for it. So um, we're not in this by ourselves, I don't think. No, no. And that's, you hear people, it's good information, it's good advice. I will ask you too, you know, did, did you feel anything that night at the castle, like from across the street? I have often, when oh. I'm running ghost box, now I use a Radio Shack hack. I yeah. find it very liable. Uh, you know, we've had the sevens, we've got an 11. Um, we use them all, but I get more response than I, I do on that Radio Shack than I do anything. Um, not all the time. As you said, I would almost like to think it's like a coffee machine. It's like a slow drip of activity sometimes when you go to those these so-called places you've listed in your book. You know, it may not happen like you want it to happen or be right there or things are chasing you out of the restaurant or the house. Um, it's a drip. And, it, yeah. and sometimes it's a little bit of a, a, a waterfall, sometimes not so much. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say, you know, too, in 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 what you were saying, too, that um, I've had interactions with people across the street where I've asked the question and I'm hearing multiple voices who I know are not people who were probably family members uh, from the castle. It's I don't think that I've had one communication with any of the daughters, which is very odd to me. Um, I think I've heard Mary, who you I had an interaction with, and she's rarely there. I think Frank protects her a lot. Uh, I hear more of Frank Henderson at times with big crowds, even, uh, Kathy, we, we've been in there with 40 people and I asked about a birthday cake and they told me, I, I didn't, didn't ask. I said, can you tell me what's in the center of this table? And I heard a gentleman's voice come in and say a cake, uh, it was a birthday cake. And I asked, can you tell me what it is? And they said, red, it was a red velvet, uh, birthday cake. So we've had interaction. I've had mirrors move in the middle of my lecture. Somebody stops me. Anybody notice that mirror over there's moving and we all stop and look and the mirrors, you know, going back and forth and then it just slowly goes down to the wall. I mean, I can't ask for any better no. things to happen and people are looking to see if I'm wearing lights or any remote controls or so too, much TV, too much TV. Yeah, but yeah, I don't I didn't want you to get away all your secrets in the book because we want people to buy the book and read the book. But oh, all right. Henderson's an amazing place to me. I've been in a few others, you know, that I would mention, but um I found there's a lot of places here in Michigan uh, who claim to have these things that are eateries like the steakhouse up there in Allegan. Um, my really? wife and I had to dropped in on a daytime trip and I had a weird experience with my water glass. But uh, oh, it's not uncommon there, by the way. They Yeah. That happens. <laughs> yeah. I was going in like you, like, yeah, you know, well, not like you. I went in there like, yeah, you know, it's probably the urban legend because I had asked to go in years ago and, you know, their response is we don't want to piss off or upset the ghost. I'm yeah. like, that's not what I do, man. I just wanted to check it out. You know, I'm not going to write anything negative out here for people to read. And uh, yeah, 
I'm a believer. There is, I just can't explain what yes. happened to my water glass. Broad daylight with a couple sitting across from us too. And I was very underdressed, I might add, Kathy. We had uh, we were doing a road trip and I'm in sweats. <laughs> like, you know, my wife always dresses impeccable. She's got to look beautiful no matter where we go. I, I love her for that. But uh, I get I felt, that. Felt a tad bit underdressed, just a tad bit. Really? Oh, I did. Oh, I did. I, I was I was looking sloppy. You know, like the husband who just like I'm watching a football game, or we decide to go out for a steak. I know we'll go to we'll go to the haunted location. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's people in there in suits and ties, very elegant dining, you know. And there's Dan, you know, doing his Dan thing. Yeah, but uh, the water glass moves, so that's pretty cool. Pretty weird, pretty yeah. damn weird. And I know it wasn't due to moisture because I know that moisture can cause you know where something will move across the table. Yeah. I'm on a tablecloth. Oh. And this, we literally, I, I felt a, almost like a buzz on the table and I looked at Eve and I looked down and it was kind of almost, almost doing this number. Like it's, you know, like it's vibrating and it was just kind of moving ever so much, yes. about, a, about a half inch. I'm like, what's going on? And we were just talking about the haunting and maybe doing an event there with them someday oh. if they're ever open to it or Great. something. Oh. Did you experience anything there? I think you've been there, right? Is that in the book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and um, a couple of times, yeah, nothing really um, like earth shaking, but I did feel that there was a man standing at the end of the bar and he he wasn't very strong, so he was hard to make out. Whether that was um, Jack, the lumberjack that supposedly was killed there, I don't know, but you know, I I also find that a lot of older buildings, like you said, there's so many more of us dead that have lived their lives over. Mm-hmm. We're just so outnumbered as far as the potential for spirits. Um, I just think that in an old building, there's just so many layers. Sometimes it's hard for me to wade through them to see what's actually causing it. I think it's unusual for a building of a certain age to not have some level of activity. If you yeah. look for it, you know, it, yeah. it I get it that way. Yeah, I get it. I don't think every place has like this no. over, the, over the line activity or haunting, but I, I imagine every place does. It's just what level right. you're, and, you're able to pick up on it or you're able to see in, 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 yes. uh, and how, understand. If you think of it in the number of years that a place has been around, your odds just go up that you. Oh yeah. Hours. Yeah. It's kind and, of. Yeah, and I, I, and I'm going to put you on the spot here in a minute by asking who had the better food at the places you ate. Well, <laughs> that's <one of> my <laughs> <favorite> parts too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for your next book. Then you can say, well, here's who had the better food. That's right. Then, then, then everybody's going to be on in the the line of haters, you know, that didn't make the list. You know, one of them. Th- I won't do that to you, Kathy. I'm kidding. I would not do that to you. There are a couple places <clears throat> in the book. If if it's an eating establishment or a bar, um, I will comment on. You know, if you if you're going to splurge on something, try this. Or you know, I've always found this to be great. So people, right. you know, kind of have a little bit more insight into what they might want to try there. Right. Right. Well, you know, again, as you said, with a lot of these older places, I, I did a book that I'm going to re, re, rework. Um, it's called Haunted, uh, uh, or Dead Places, rather. And uh, Mike McKelly, who's retired from radio now here in Kalamazoo, has the only copy 
that I printed and it needs more work. So it's, it's meant to be a coffee book, yes. you know, a, a coffee table book. And I've seen some other people doing this, which is okay. It's not an original idea. I get that. But what I did in my travels, uh, Kathy, when I had, uh, was retired from working security due to medical, I didn't apply for disability right away. I was one of those stubborn idiots, you know, but I paid the price at the end, but I, I still try to deliver auto parts. So I did that for about a year and it would take me all over Michigan, parts of Northern Indiana. So as I'm driving, I would, these crazy addresses I'm delivering to, I would come across these fantastic farmhouses, these oh, old factories, and I would shoot, I'd, I'd get out and shoot pictures on my camera phone. I started bringing my camera with me. And I didn't go indoors. I figured if I'm going to get yelled at for trespassing, I'm just out on the grounds taking a photo, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'd love to rework that. But I, what I used to do, and I'm sure you do this too, I can just tell you this, ty this type of person, <laughs> um, is that I came up with sayings about what I was thinking at the time when I took the photo. Like, I wonder what the story is in this farmhouse, you know. Uh, obviously, you can tell it's been there since before the 20s or about the 20s. Uh, by looking at the house, what condition it's in, the land, where it's at. Um, is the family still having dinner around the table? Uh, who lived, laughed, loved, and died here? Yeah. Uh, what's the story? And um, it's not going to be here much longer, right? Because some of them were leaning and they were in bad shape. And so uh, that's what I did. And, and I'm sad to say I've tried to revisit a few this year, earlier this year. Uh, and last year, some of them, they're gone. But I got them on record, they're gone. People have torn them down and uh, one of those deals. But yeah, we're uh, I, Possible society now, aren't we? we just, oh, we are. We are. That's something I was going to ask you about in paranormal. Let me ask you that. You know, um, you, you alluded to, you know, the house is meaning a lot to these people who owned them at the time. And I think the, the same could be said, uh, folks, for items, not just houses, but items, because Kathy just said we're a disposable society. It's very true. And uh, my question is, you know, to you is do you believe that items can also have an attachment because you know when somebody got a pocket watch back in the day this is a big thing they passed it on to son and son and son uh they didn't just go to walmart and buy a brand new one they didn't have those stores around back then with any item whatever, whatever it may be that's true oh i absolutely a hundred percent believe that a lot of things come with attachments and um a house is just another type of possession that that a spirit might feel very protective over and and want to always be affiliated with that house but um i used to really enjoy antiquing and um when we were back in connecticut we bought a really pretty old grandmother clock and i think it dated back to the 1700s it had the lead um, I don't even know what the parts are called, but the weights were. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. So we brought it home. I fell in love with it and um, we brought it home and my husband had to go out of town um, for work. And so that first night that we had the clock in the house, he, he wasn't there. And <clears throat> during the night, I heard a noise and it wasn't loud, but I, I didn't get up and check because I thought, well, you know, the security system's on. I'm sure it's fine. I'm not going to worry about it. And it was just the kids and I, they were home. And the next morning I went down into the living room where we had the clock right. over our couch, which is right next to the clock. I have a really pretty painting in a heavy frame. 
it was off the wall and flipped over backwards and leaned up against against the couch that it was up above. And I've never, I mean, the glass wasn't cracked. It was perfectly placed. I knew that human hands hadn't done that. My children were all little, little too. Um, and I really felt that it was because of that clock. And that was the only thing that was different. And it never happened again. It was just that one time. But because of all of the things I brought in and out of the house, I'm not even comfortable shopping in antique stores anymore. I just, it's almost too overpowering for me. Um, Cause I go in and I'm so excited. I tend to open myself up and then I'm feeling everything. Amen, sister. Yeah, me too. I still love looking, but I, there's days. Yes. I just don't feel right. Yeah. So if I feel. We go in, like for me, if, if I go in and say, I, I have a headache and I go in, it's the same way with investigating. I always would tell my group, if you're not feeling at your best, you know, just don't go because you okay aren't at your best as far as protecting yourself, grounding yourself. So it was the same thing. I just learned not to go shopping for antiques if I wasn't feeling great because I would feel lousy when I got done. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm of two minds on it. As I said, I'd feel like you did. And then there were days that I was overjoyed to go there because I could pick up on people's lives and certain people that would have certain items. Yes. Eve, would, Eve, my wife, would know that. She would be like, what are you getting? And I'd tell her what I'd see and what I, you know, and a lot of times the antique person who knew where some of these items came from was like, wow, how would you know that? You know, how do you know some of this stuff? It's like, yeah, it's a long story. Uh, we're not going to go into that because there's times I used to spend all day telling people the story, but well. um, it, there's other times, as you said, I, I feel a little off, especially with toys, older toys, a lot of stuff from the forties and fifties. Um, if, if I can get my hands on it, pick it up and hold it for a minute. Jewelry and watches are a no-no for me. I will not wear any antique watches, jewelry, nothing. Good. Um, I feel a big energy off a lot of that stuff. And I don't know how, like you said, I don't know how some people can do that. I, I feel guilty first off. Um, and then what it meant to somebody. And some of that stuff, you know, is just given away in estate sales. And that they just buy everything a lot. They don't care who, what the stuff is. Same with photographs. All those. Oh. Why do antique stores buy photographs of families? What? Well, and I went through a stage where I was collecting the postmortem photography, and you know, as a mother, it was it, it got to be pretty tough to. But to me, that was another period of our history where photography wasn't a big thing. It was expensive. People couldn't afford it. Right. So the only way to remember that loved one was through these pictures that were taken after they had passed. So that could be kind of tough sometimes, but at the same time, I could feel the love and the caring. It wasn't like a nasty feeling. It was just sad. It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember going through a series um, uh, of bungalows and stuff in different areas of Michigan and some on my travels, like in Arizona and other places where, those places had been there from the 1900s, 1920s. And same thing, you know, I'd do a walkthrough with people and they might be looking at a place to buy or live. And I would just get these really weird things. And I'm like that way at the store too, believe it or not. There's days I, I don't want to go to the store because I feel like I'm open and I just pick up all the stuff off of people in there and uh, I have to distract myself. It's almost like, almost like having ADHD of the paranormal. 
uh, where there's so much running around and I got to find something to focus on, you know, weird. And really overwhelming. So, and I, from experience, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're doing the events out at the Drake farm. Um, I'd love to have you talk about that for a little bit too, if you don't mind. I mean, I was telling Ken, uh, that, uh, just before I retired from security, they still had the old barn up out back. And I mean, it was, everything was in rough shape. They were just starting to rebuild yes. and I'd have to go in there because at night when I was at that complex next door, um, I was doing security. Yeah. I was doing security for those guys. Yeah. And I'd run kids out of there constantly and they're drinking and trying to break into the building. And Ken's like, you did I said, Oh yeah, man. I would, cause I'd hear noise going on over there and I would cut through the weeds and get burrs all over my uniform because I was really angry they were in there messing with that historic site. But uh, yeah, you've done a couple of events there, right? Didn't you have Brian Harnois? Yeah, that was like uh, 10 years ago. I know, a long time ago, isn't it? Right. That was a long time ago. Right. Character. Um, how it happened in the first place was that I actually was a member of the um, the historical society there. Cool. So I kind of got to know the house that way. And through being there, some of the other members of the historical society would bring up things that had happened to them or that they had seen that were unusual. And because they knew what I did, I think they felt comfortable asking. And that led to me deciding that I would just check out the building and see if there was anything that, that we could, you know, um, substantiate things with or validate things. So I took my daughter, who was a student at Western at the time, her boyfriend and her roommate with me just to keep me company. I was going to blueprint the house so we knew what rooms the activity were in. So I told my daughter, here's my recorder. You know what to do with it. You know, you guys just go and walk around. Well, her boyfriend, who was a an engineering student, grand engineering student at grand valley state said to me said you know i i don't believe in this stuff and i said that's okay i mean not everybody yeah. said i just don't believe in ghosts i said that's fine i said just hang out with the girls keep an eye on them it'll be fine but you hold the recorder and he said okay and so i could hear them laughing through the building and thinking to myself you know mr drake was not a real charmer and i don't think he'd be happy with these teenagers going through yeah cutting up through his house right disrespectful and laughing they were fine <laughs> so finally he said we're done let's wrap it up let's go but let's listen to the recorder first so we went into the parlor of the drake house and again he had the recorder in his hand, hadn't put it down. And I said, let's play it back. And the first thing you could hear, of course, my daughter, Lucy, had heard for years. She knew that I did this. She knew the drill. So she said, so is anybody else hanging around here tonight with us? And you could hear this voice. And, of course, I'm doing this in real time watching him. Right. And it said, the voice said, get out. Oh, boy rough and and his face just blanched i mean he went white i could just see the. i could tell he didn't understand what was happening and he knew that nobody else had tampered <laughs> with the equipment because he's the one that had it and then a couple of minutes later you could hear 
I could hear a voice say, Kathy, and kind of a sing-songy voice. Now, that always still freaks me out a little bit when they say my name. And it happens a lot, but it, I don't like it. So anyway, um, he ended up marrying her. So I guess it didn't traumatize him too much because now... Yeah. And the grandson that I told you that wants to be a ghost hunter is their son. So we'll see it worked out. I'm back around. And <laughs> yeah, it, it all worked itself it, out. It came back around. It's all good. Yeah, I worked with Brian um, in 2009 in Fort Wayne, Indiana at the Masonic Temple. And yeah, he was a trip. He's definitely an individual. Um, yeah. I remember him getting in trouble with the... Uh, uh, worshipful master of the lodge that was there with us because oh. uh, he picked up one of the skulls and was messing around and the teeth fell out of it. It was quite funny because we were trying to find the, the, the supposed shadow man that runs up and down the steps there oh. uh, in the lodge, but uh, interesting. Yeah, so are, are you planning on having any more events there this season? Well, yes, and um, I think maybe because I was part of the historical society, I was very aware um, on a different level, just how important. Um, well, you hold you hold the integrity of the history and the people that exactly. the house number one. That's what I do with the castle and other places, right? Yeah, right, I get it. Let them down. You want to maintain right. the integrity of the of the whole story. So I think that's important. But I also saw how much they were in need of funds because mm -hmm. everything's done on a volunteer. Oh, yes, ma'am. Um, so by doing we've done two so far, we've been able to give the money and they're just so thrilled to get the money to yeah. put back into the house. So again, it's not this disposable society that wants to tear everything down. We're trying to contribute in some small way. We do the same thing at the John Robinson Hospital in Allegan where we set up the investigations, we, we book them, we take care of all the details and then they have the money to put back into the building, which gives me a lot of satisfaction to see that that building's not just going to rot away. And yeah. And I, and I want to thank you for you know, being on the board there and saving that. Cause I was worried at the time working that apartment complex. Again, this is quite a few years ago, Yeah, like you said, 10 years ago. So it's, that's hard to believe it's been that long. Um, yeah. But oh. because I would go in there when, the, you know, you didn't have the gate up and I would dra drive back in there with, with my, my grandkids, well, not my grandkids, but um, my kids, when yeah. they were still little, my, my last two young ones. Um, and I was just, I was worried. I hate to see stuff, you know, Kalamazoo, you know how it goes in this County. Uh, we'll just tear it down. We'll put something else up, you know? Um, and I, I am, I am always against that. So thank you for saving that farm. It's very it's, important to the West side of Kalamazoo. It's on such a small level, just doing it with two different locations, but at least you kind of feel like you're giving back a little you're bit. You're making a difference though, Kathy. You, I mean, it's very important what you're doing for sure. No. And Yeah. Yeah. I mean that. I mean that. Um, I, I do the same thing with the Van Buren Poorhouse. You know, when I ended up turning, uh, what we, when we were doing events, I turned it over to uh, Carl who sadly passed away from my pro. Um, and some other people who used to be in my group that, that were out there with them, um, they did, they carried on the same thing. They would do events and then, you know, the money would stay there with the museum because it's voluntary. It's to help them, you know, uh, keep the, the lights on. And like you said, improvements and things of the same nature. And, and uh, that's why I do what I do out there. And, and somewhat said, I guess, for Henderson, as I, I said to you about your integral uh, ideas about you know make, keeping that history alive. That's why I do the Frank and Mary Henderson uh, deal at the castle. I really do. I I'm, I don't always get it right. 
Uh, I'm very imperfect and I make mistakes, but I care about that house maintaining its history and people remembering. And there's much more in Kalamazoo and Allegan and Plainwell and areas that you and I work that needs to be looked at. They need to be saved. Yes. Um, they're just they're just sitting there. And I hate to see entrepreneurs come in and buy a property saying they're going to do one thing with it. And then they turn around and then you come up there a month later and it's gone. It's leveled or it's gone or they change it completely. I remember being on the side of the friends of, of East Hall here at Western and we fought oh. it and fought it until we lost the battle. And uh, it's frustrating. But, you know, at least you can have that satisfaction of knowing you tried. I mean, did. if you don't even try, that's that's what you should regret. But, you know, it. We're paranormal activists, Kathy. We, we, we're trying to save history. Uh, yeah. uh, if not for paranormal and the people who are on the other side, at least for yeah. the rest of us, geez, oh, Pete's folks, you know, if, if they can reconstitute buildings, let me, let me just uh, quick message and we'll get towards the end of the show here. But, you know, the message is this, if they can do it in Europe and reconstitute all these historical buildings, why in the hell are we not doing this here in America? I mean, out east, they do. They they probably not as much as they should, but they do. Places that you were living, uh, right. you know, up there in the east, uh, they preserve a lot of that. But uh, here, man, I get so frustrated with, well, with this county. I don't know. I I wonder. Like a lot of them say, it's just too expensive to to get these places back up to there. I don't know. I think we're really sacrificing an awful lot by doing that because, like you say, we've seen it done in so other places but it's kind of like the other thing i've noticed in this country is that we want everything to be fast 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 right now yeah yeah and nobody wants to really invest the time and the blood sweat and tears to, to get this going and then that's again where the money question comes in you know it's expensive to you know restore these old buildings there's no but just to tear them down it's heartbreaking it is. And, and, you know, hopefully you'll continue to do what you do. And like I said, if you, if you need any help and I'm putting my hand out, you need me to be involved to help net, networking what your event is. I'm here. Um, we probably haven't done this soon enough, but as I said, I am your friend and uh, I mean that. And it, whatever I can do to help uh, promote your events that, or whatever you're doing, you let me know. That sounds great. Yeah, let me know. Uh, I'll put it up on the network. We'll put it up on unrestricted radio. And okay. you know, I my I'm hands off, man. You know, I'm just there to promote what you're doing and uh, to help save a place. Um, which brings me to you know uh, a, a thing about Ghostorama, which I threw at you uh, August twentieth. And like I said, if you're if you're available on that date, if you can make it happen, that'd be great. If not, we're my partner's planning two of them next year. We haven't even gotten the first one off the ground. And I love Jerry to death, but I was just like, slow the roll, man. Uh -oh. Let's make sure we get this one done first. Because, you know, I, I've known these ladies and gentlemen who run that museum for quite a, quite a few years. And I'm honored to say that they trust me. So, sure. you know, having going forward with that, uh, we'll do two next year. And, and I wanted to keep them in West Michigan. Because you know as well as I do, like with the stuff that you do and little things that I do, in between those areas and other parts of the lakeshore, nobody's really, there's little things here and there, but nobody's really doing, you know, like in a, like a big event, a big paranormal meet and greet. That's all I wanted out of this is to try to get some form of unity yes. with people to come and talk, you know. I'm so tired of that scene, too. 
I, I absolutely agree. And when I was researching the book, uh, I went back to revisit a lot of places to take photographs. And um, I realized for the first time just how amazing the UP is. Because I just had never spent a lot of time up there. But going up there and just, I just loved it. And there was so much that the UP has to offer as far as people that are interested in the paranormal. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm talking cryptids, yeah. um, not just ghosts, but um, so I've, and I, I hope maybe we can get this out there a little bit. We've planned a conference for the third weekend of May that's called the, the paranormal UP. So it's going to be like a day and a half conference, but it's all based on UP paranormal things. And so, um, because I just felt like it, it wasn't show light or um, spotlighted often enough because there's so much up there, just that area. And, and so we're going to do that this year and um, hopefully, you know, that will, will catch on too. Cause it's kind of a labor of love at this point. Yeah. I saw that on your Facebook page. So definitely, oh, yeah. definitely, you know, uh, when we get to the end, repeat what you said and, and tell, share the dates and location. Yeah. Where you're going to have this for sure. I'm, I'm all on board about helping you uh, promote that as well. Um, I've been to the UP and I know what you're saying. Um, you know, we were lucky enough to, to go do parts of Curtis where we stayed. Uh, we did some stuff in Newberry, which I want to do more there. We just got to spend half a day there, but we went to Fayette. We spent. I for the <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing? Unreal. It's very unreal. We had a Scooby-Doo moment there is what I call these people. So we knew one of the young rangers and his mother who had volunteered and been working there for probably 30 years or something, he said. Very nice people. Um, and so we got in with the park service. We said, here's what we'd like to do. Uh, you know, we had a moon, a full moon with clouds. If, if people at home can't see me, but it had the clouds hanging over the moon right out of a Scooby-Doo episode. And water there the water is just oh my god yeah and hear that yes ma'am and hear that bell buoy out there ning ning with a breeze so eerie yeah it was very eerie we had a lot i won't go into the whole thing but we had an extraordinary uh trip not only did we get evps in curtis because uh in between the two lakes up there uh curtis was known as a trapper and trade area with a lot of the ojibwa and algonquin tribes and so i had um in my group at the time, uh, I hope Kaylee comes out with us again here soon. I've just reconnected with her, but she had spent a couple of years in Europe and studied abroad, you know, Kalamazoo college student. Uh -huh. And she spoke fluent French and I asked her to ask questions in French. Uh, we were up till about two or three in the morning, just trying some new, new equipment and we got responses. And then I asked some things in Ojibwa, we got responses. So it was a wonderful time just to spend with my group and then you know do the things we did and then we stayed up there an extra day and the whitefish uh uh restaurant which wow. is now named something different was out of whitefish so that didn't please me but uh we went across the street get this kathy so we go across the street i'm sharing a story folks so hang on so we go across <laughs> we go across the street and there's a bar there and they're doing karaoke my wife's like you gotta sing because i like to sing i sing with bob penny's group you know we have a group we're over there doing karaoke and half the people in the place are from Plainwell, Michigan. Oh my God. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and the, they asked where we were from. We said, well, Kalamazoo, Portage, you know, and they're like, well, we're all from Plainwell. 
there's about 15, 20 people in there. I'm like, why are all of you up here in September? <laughs> you know, right. when we were up there. Yeah. <laughs> small world, small world. Yes. Um, are there any other plans uh, for, uh, you know, other books or any other events outside the, the one that you mentioned? Uh, are you going to, uh, well, let's go back to the farm. Are you going to do another one on the farm this year or are you going to wait till next year? No, I think we'll probably do maybe a couple more over the next five months or so. Um, so definitely, and probably our MPE page on Facebook might be That's the right. best place because we'll list them there yeah. as they come up. And then we do periodically investigations at the Allegan, the old jail and the John Robinson Hospital, which is now the, the Robinson Manor. So but wherever we do them, we'll usually bring them out on the page. With and, and you are well known in uh, Allegan. I just want you to, I mean, I know you know this, but I want you to know. So I would, I would talk uh, because we had done, uh, we came up for your conference that one year at the uh, library and the hall next door. I'm having a brain fart because I'm, I'm getting old. Yeah, the Griswold Auditorium. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So I did a thing there. It, it was a hit or miss. Again, ugh, mistakes were made. Uh, so we still did the best that we could, but they had a lot of great things to say about you. Uh, and I said, yep, yeah, we, I, I know her. Uh, I'm, I ran into some people at some other event who own or run the theater there in town. Uh, we were at some event and uh, said, yeah, we had a paranormal lady in here. And I said, Cassie Connor said, yes, yes, that's her name. And then I met a lady who was in charge of the jail. I met her a few years back and your name came up there too. So she said, oh yeah, we've had them in there. They did events. It's... Then I'm across the street last year at the antique store, right across Kitty Corner from. Yes, I think the I. <laughs> yeah, and the old man started a conversation with me because I bought a couple of Masonic uh, things. Again, I'm, as I told you, I'm a little weird, but. I got one of them hanging right here because I'm a Mason. So and we got into a conversation and I said, man, I'm picking up all sorts of stuff in your building. And, you know, I was just open. It was on a rainy day too. Yeah. And uh, he goes, yeah, you know, uh, there's a paranormal lady here, uh, Kathy something or other. They can never remember your last name, which irritates the hell out of me. So I said, Kathy Condor. And he's like, yes, yeah. Uh, she's supposed to be doing an event up here and she's done the theater. So he, they all know your itinerary and your resume so that you, you were very well loved in Allegan, just so you know. Well, I do love Allegan. It's, it's a great place. Um, but yeah, lots of opportunities up there. Mm -hmm. sure. Even the steakhouse, the steakhouse. I'm eating a steak. And uh, I don't remember how this conversation started. My wife got talking to a waitress and she goes, you picking anything up on here? And I'm like, no, why? And I wasn't thinking paranormal. Honestly, even though I knew I, I was not on my mind at the time because we had had we had had business trip and different things. And uh, she goes, yeah, we've had a lady in here. And I'm like, oh, let me guess. <laughs> Kathy Condor. <laughs> yeah. Playing well. And so I'm just like, man, everywhere I go, there's Kathy. I said, yeah, I know her too. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very cool. Well, what else you got going on? Is that it? I mean, anything else special? That's really it. I mean, I getting the book done was, you know, was a biggie and getting that done. And and you know how busy things start to get in the summer and into the yes, fall. So I'm sure things are going to start picking up. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to whatever comes my way over the next six months. It'll be and, and I and I was looking for you at Sam's. We we rang the bell again with my Ghostbusters. 
I remember that year you pulled up in your car and oh. I hadn't seen so long. I didn't recognize it. I felt terrible, well, but I told the guys, well, now I'm going to be looking out for her because we're going to, we're, we made our comeback this year after the COVID thing. That, and then I, I didn't see you. Should I actually switched to Costco for a while because I have such a short attention span that I back and forth. It's it's the shiny nickel. I get it. I get it. My son-in-law, my son-in-law works at Costco right there in Kalamazoo. That's the one that I've been going to. So yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, as I said, hopefully uh, I can get you out there August 20th. Again, if you, if you're available, um, you know, 10 by 10 space, if you have a canopy and, some chairs and a table. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bring your books. If you got books to sell, sell your stuff. I don't want anything from you, Kathy. But if anything, you know, um, we're going to do an after-hours ghost hunt. Uh, people are going to pay. Uh, if you wanted to stick around and be part of that, and we can show people around the house. You know, again, I, I need to reach out more to you. And like I said, make, make an effort to maybe even work with you on some ideas that I have, some projects. Absolutely. Um, it's just, I just, I just want to perform more unity, not just in mouthing it, but doing it. And again, I've grown, I've changed over the years. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on in, in t today's show was, you know, that negative side of the paranormal, which I'd never like to, you know, revisit or try to focus on that. But, you know, you're a hero in somebody else, one person's book and you're, you're the devil in somebody else's I, either through mistakes or miscommunication. Yep. You know, that's how it goes. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And like I said, I never, I never purposefully, wow, that's a big word. And I do not have any liquor in this drink. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it, I don't, I don't tend to go out there and hurt anybody or, or to take advantage of anyone. You know, I just try to do the best. It's just um, the nature of the beast. I think that, that somehow along the way, people have started to see this as a competition and it's just not. Yeah, and yeah you can either buy into that or you can just step away from it, which I'm sure you're at the point where you've learned it's not worth the hassle. And no, not at 59. Nope. No, nope. no, no. I just, I don't have any time for it anymore. There's too many positive and bright things going on, you know, in my future and in my life. And, uh, and you, you should be one of them. As I said, I, I, as close as we are uh, operating and whatnot, I would definitely like to attend a couple of your events and be there and share some fun stories. And um, I have some investigations that I'm working on and I would definitely put my hand out to you to have you and maybe a couple of your crew people come along and just kind of see what we're, you know, what, what's going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I will also tell you that we do, uh, I work with Jerry Jodlowski, uh, Kathy, uh, on this thing called Frankenfest, which is pretty cool. So I was introduced last year to the Turner Dodge house in East Lansing. Wow. And Barbara is an amazing woman who has single-handedly saved that, that mansion. Wow. Uh, it's under park and Rex, And I won't even begin to tell you the drama and the story behind that, but uh, you know, she's done an amazing job and uh, you know, I would love to have Jerry maybe throw out an invite to have you there. Uh, it's in, I think it's June 25th. Uh, at the Turner Dodge house, it's Frankenfest. And the theme is classic horror movie. You know, we have oh. a Frankenstein monster on the balcony. Uh, last year we were worried about people coming in because of the road construction, but we were overwhelmed. I mean, a couple thousand people showed up oh my. and, uh, made some money for the museum. And of course, Jerry and I, you know, when we do these events, we make a dollar on it too. Yeah. I'm retired. I got to make a buck for new bathing suit and sunburn yeah. oil, yeah. uh, for my head. That is, you know, I have no hair. Um, 
And it's a great time. We have a car show. We have vendors out there. And that's all we're doing with the museum. We want to make a buck for the museum. As I said, we want a car show. Uh, we have Mach 5 coming down. Batman, Ghostbusters will be there. My, some of my coalition people will that goes. Vendors. I keep telling people in spiritual stores and stuff, listen, man, we're not looking for you to sell paranormal items. This, I don't care if you're knitting socks for adopted kittens, you know, it's whatever you want to sell, yeah. uh, you know, cause the, the vendor space money goes to help the museum and, uh, you know, help me and Jerry pay for the venue and some things that we're doing, but trying to have food trucks out there and just have paranormal groups talk to each other. Yes, I agree. It's important. It is very important. I, you know, there's, there's, there's a very short list that I, I will, I'm always open about of people that I probably wouldn't invite, but, uh, Having said that, there's a lot more people that, you know, forgiveness is an easy thing to do. And I do it very easily. And, and it's time to just kind of stop some of the nonsense, you know, and just kind of yeah. come out these events and help because we're trying to help uh, the museum. Right. Um, I want to thank you for letting me talk your head off. And well, I uh, it. it's always fun to share with somebody that shares your passion for what you do. So I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Well, and people can't see you, but I want to tell you that I do appreciate your pajamas because uh, I we got a corgi and, you know, we lost our dog uh, just after Thanksgiving, our, our older dog. And so we're having thoughts of getting another dog, but I love love the, the pajamas you're wearing. That's quite well, cute. Yes, well, anytime. No worries. Uh, everybody, uh, her book, what's the name of it again? Uh, Haunting Spirits and Eats, Michigan. And you can find it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Right. Um, I got my copy coming, so I'm excited. So oh. then when I get to see oh. you, I'm going to have to make sure you sign it. Oh, absolutely. I hope you enjoy it. I'll be anxious to hear what you think. Oh, I know I will. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a book critic. You know, if I can read about somebody's experiences and whatnot, then that's cool. fun. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the only thing I'm ever worried about is like you said, uh, if it's something to do with the site that I've been at, how critical they are of the site or some things that go on there outside of that, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. Yeah. Um, she's also got a, a Facebook page for uh, Michigan Paranormal Encounters. I am a member. Uh, oh. You guys can put up things on there. Yeah, I've been a member for a while. I, oh, good. Yeah, I don't know if I just don't post a lot of stuff. I, again, I'm running 1,200 different things. No. Yeah, most people just like to read and they're not posters. But I, And that's me. I, I pick out a lot of the, the articles and people that send you and put up on there and I'll read <laughs> up on the article. And um, uh, but, but thanks so much for taking time out of your night to be here with us. And I, I want to have you back so that we can just shoot the, shoot the poop. Yeah, if just can we use that term. I'm yeah, here. I think we so, and yeah. actually your timing was really good because I think I've got 2% left of battery on my phone well i knew we were getting late so i i usually try to keep it to an hour or to just under an hour and a half or two but if i fade out on you you'll know what happened no we're good uh kathy connor is a wonderful investigator and now an, an author and and uh please folks go check her out on facebook uh please check out the michigan paranormal encounters page and follow her help out when she's got events posted go check them out uh, pay a few dollars to help out this historic site, the Drake Farm or wherever, and the hospital and wherever else that she's doing events. Um, again, uh, we know each other. We've known of each other. We've spoken to each other. Um, I'd like to get to know her better, but I've always felt that she was a wonderful person and I've never had an issue. And again, uh, heartfelt thanks uh, to you and, for being on the program. 
I've really enjoyed it, Dan. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, thank you. And everybody, remember, Henderson Castle, hendersoncastle.com. Also, Gun Barrel Coffee, you have had the rest. Please try the best. You know, I just started drinking their CBD oil because of my neuropathy and my arthritis. Damn good coffee. I have not slept better ever in my life since I started drinking some of that coffee. And you got to be careful with it, guys. Okay. They suggested half half the CBD coffee, half regular. I'm just giving you that as a note of experience, unless you want to sleep all day. (laughs) Um, And so uh, go to uh, gunbarrelcoffee.com. Uh, they do a lot of wonderful things. And of course, unrestricted radio. Thank you, Stacy Lee, for what you do. And we will join everybody next time right here on unrestricted paranormal. And also with the, I want to believe uh, show with Elmer Boster and Bob Penny, everybody have a wonderful night and uh, be safe and take care of one another. And I leave you with this always. If you cannot be kinder and smarter, please be quieter.